Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Generation Next podcast under Leadership Network. We are so excited to deep dive into this great conversation with not only the one and only Sam McDowell. Sam, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm so glad to be with you guys. We're so honored for this conversation. And for those of you listening, you know that uh, the Generation Next podcast here for Leadership Network is all about equipping you as church leaders to better understand how to create a church where the next generation is pastored and stewarded and sent out into the world to be powerful advocates for the gospel. And the conversation we're going to have today is a little bit unique. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important. A lot of the conversations we've been having here at Generation Next both on the blog and here on the podcast and in some of our webinar series has been a lot about how do we as church leaders help the next generation. Mm -hmm. But we're going to take a slightly different approach today. And I'm really glad that we are because this is a conversation we're not having as much. And that is how does the church actually equip parents to do the work of pastoring the next generation living in their very homes. And to do that, you're right. We have Sam McDowell, who has been in Next Gen Ministry for years, is yep. really a legend in this space, is so passionate about raising up the next generation. He's now an associate pastor in Florida, but he's also the author of a fantastic new resource called Parent Equip. So Sam, we're going to jump into this conversation because again, we think yep. it's so important it's not talked about so much. Where, when did you develop a passion for this idea of helping the church equip parents to lead their children well? That's great. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I'm I'm really excited about this conversation. And uh, it really was birthed in a season. I was pastoring at a church in Alabama and um, uh, we had a really great youth ministry there, and there was this one student in our ministry. I talk about this in the in the book. It's like the the story that I start the book off with. It's like the the pivotal thing for me. Yeah. Um, but he was this super young, influential student, um, very athletic. Like everybody loved him, and uh, he was the life of the party. And uh, he started coming to our youth ministry, got really plugged in, and then I saw his whole family walk into church one Sunday. And, um, I, I recognized his dad. He was a little, he looked a little edgy, like, uh, the, I guess the way that I could describe him, he was pretty hardcore. Like he was very tall, really big beard. Um, wasn't super, he didn't engage people really well. Like he just was to himself. And I, I, we were a a military community. So I, I assumed that was sort of what he was, you know, he was, he was, he was a military guy. And so, I, I started building a relationship with her whole family and uh, eventually found out that his dad was, in fact, in the military. He actually transitioned from the military to becoming um, uh, a contract sniper. So that was sort of his thing, okay. which long range precision shooting is my thing. Like, I love that. That's my hobby. So him and I really connected on that. So. I started going uh, with him to the gun range every Sunday after church and just starting to build a relationship. And here's the here's the wild thing is he didn't really talk at all. Like we would just 
<laughs> be there. And he didn't say much. And I just thought if I could just be present with him, maybe it'll something will happen. Right. Well, one day uh, he was packing up his stuff and out of nowhere, he just says, Sam, can I ask you a question? And I was, you know, I said, sure. What's, yeah. what's up? He said, what am I doing wrong with my son? Whoa. And it was in that moment where I realized I am way more than a youth pastor. Yeah. Like I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly say to me, Sam, you are way more than a youth pastor. You are designed to help reconcile the family to being what God designed it to be. And so that's been my journey. That was, you know, five, six, six years ago. And now everything I do is filtered through how can I leverage my ministry and how can I help next gen leaders leverage their ministry to really reinstate parents to be that primary spiritual leader, to reinforce that biblical design that God always had for the family unit. Wow, Sam, that's so amazing. I am super thankful for your yes. I know we are attached to it. I Around six years ago, I felt like the Lord gave me a phrase for my life was to reimagine what the local church could be and do in my Mm. life. Love that. And what I would love to push towards you, Sam, is when you are talking about parenting within the local church or coming alongside of parents, how do we reimagine the church? Like, yeah. give, give us a blank canvas. Where do we start? Yeah, it's great. Oh, that is great. Yeah, I, I think we overcomplicate this subject. Um, you know, for years, I have asked next gen leaders, what do you do to support parents? And really no one ever gives me a, a clear uh a clear plan it's wow. usually like yeah we send an email out or sure. you know we do a parent meeting every once in a while but there's no plan and i, I just I think it's an intimidating thing um you know there's a lot of young next gen leaders serving in ministry that aren't parents yet so like how in the world do i talk to parents like i don't even know if i like parents you know like <laughs> there's there's a little bit of that dynamic but i i think when it comes to reimagining the church we we have to go back to the original desire that God had for the local church and even how that correlates with the family unit and how that plays a part, you know? And um, one of the things that I hear from next gen leaders all the time when I'm talking about this subject is it's like their main excuse. And honestly, it's a pretty valid excuse, but it's, I don't know if I have the time. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I have the time to spend investing in parents because I'm already completely maxed out. I mean, and you guys know that being a next gen ministry, uh, it doesn't matter if you're serving 20 students or, you know, 250 students or 800 students, there's never a moment where you feel like I've got plenty of time on my hands, you know? So the thought of (laughs) the the thought of adding parents to that is so intimidating. And really it, it oftentimes just makes it a really good excuse for us not to do that. But I, I think one of the things that is really powerful about Parent Equip and the strategy that makes up Parent Equip is, is I'm not really asking people to change their ministry philosophy. I'm not asking them to substantially change the structure of what they do. It's more of, and what, what I say is, um, it's like putting a parent filter on everything you do. So if you're doing something for a student, ask yourself the question, could I do something for the parent in this category? You know, like in, in the blog uh, that I wrote, uh, one of the examples I give is just small group questions, you know, like you're already probably developing small group questions for your students and the small group leaders that they have. Why not create a separate PDF of some very easy questions that parents can ask 
their kids once they get in the car after youth or, right. uh, you know, kids after church on Sundays, whatever that looks like, you know, so it's just, it's really cueing the parent and, um, and helping parents become what God always created them to be. Man. It's so strategic because so often it feels that we as leaders, we're trying so hard to maybe stop a leak right? Mm-hmm. If we're thinking figuratively and we're yep. working so hard and we're getting out all the gaff tape and we're getting out our wooden nails and we're trying in any way we can to stop a leak. But if we were to just pause and slow down, we would recognize that the better way to stop the leak is to fix the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I see this vision that you have to reach the parents, to equip the parents. Because if we can help pastor families to be creating homes where the gospel is being practiced and experienced, we're not just going to be helping the kid when they're at our church one hour a week. We'll be equipping the parents to pastor their children the other tens and tens and tens of hours where they're home a week. And so I just think this is so strategic. Um, Here's what I want to maybe talk about for a minute. We have a lot of senior pastors, executive level leaders who listen to this kind of content and this podcast. And a lot of them tune in because maybe they're looking out at their congregation on a Sunday morning and they're recognizing the age is getting older and older and older. Or let's say they have just hired a new youth pastor and they're recognizing they have to do more for the next generation. But this youth pastor, they keep coming in and bringing these ideas. And there's this major barrier between the senior level leaders and the young youth pastors they're bringing in, right? Like they're the, the people who are listening, I love it. They're actually trying to lean in and better understand how can our church be a really great space for the next generation. Yeah. Now they might hear this conversation and think, oh, great. This is another thing I have to do. I, I, I don't know <laughs> yes. it's going to work, right? But sure. you are an associate pastor. That's what I think is so cool about this coming from you in this season of your life mm. is you hold this, this leadership yeah. really, really well in your church. And yet you're still focused on this. Why as a, as a senior level leader in your church, is this such a priority for your entire church not just for the next gen 20 year old who is starting to ideate and thinking this is yeah. talk to the senior level leaders about why this matters. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll first start off by saying senior level leaders, thanks for listening to a podcast that talks about next gen. I just think that matters, you know um, it's, it's a huge deal. And thank you for what you do. I mean, the, the weight, there's so many young leaders out there that are like, I could do it so much better than my lead pastor. And they just don't understand the weight. They just don't get it. And so thank you for carrying that. I, you know, I, I really love the role I'm in now because I'm not just over next gen. I'm over all of the ministries of our church. And I'm constantly asking the question, how can we leverage once again, going back to that, that, that question I asked earlier, how can we leverage our ministry to reinforce the family unit, to reinstate really parents to be that. And so I, I once again go, it's the parent filter. It's, you know, little things like how many, how many hours do you spend staff wise forming your next evangelistic series? All right. Put the same amount of work that you would in uh, making small groups 
fit more around parenting or um, helping, helping parents understand what it means for them to be, you know, this is what we do. We're evangelists, like within the local church these days, like every church is talking about, I mean, I can't tell you how many times on Facebook and there's all these ads about add 100 new families to your church. My first question every time is, are you even being faithful and discipling the current ones you have? Like are families like truly being enriched by your church? But yet we're so captivated by the growth. And so I just, what I've seen over the years is, is pastors that they spend hundreds of staff hours forming these amazing evangelistic series, but zero on discipleship. Yeah. And, and so I, I go, what if we could reallocate some of our time? Yeah. Um, and so that's like one of the big things that I, I love to talk about. The second thought is like, how can we get families together hmm. uh, instead of, separating them. And so mm. let me, let me, um, let me set this topic up real quick with just, uh, I want, I want grace to come across first. I believe in kids ministries. Sure. I believe in youth ministries. Okay. okay. I've been in next gen ministry for Hannah. You said earlier, I'm a legend. I have not reached that status. I've only been it for 11 years, not even close to that. Um, uh, I appreciate the kind words, but I'm not there yet. But um, I, 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 I have heard so much mm. over the years, statements like this in a sanctuary or an auditorium, Hey, utilize our kids ministry. It's an amazing place where your kids can go and learn about Jesus. We're trying to create a distraction free environment here. Yeah. Mm. So what we're, what we're saying is your kids are a distraction to your spiritual growth. It's really good, Sam. We we don't want to say that, right? But we are. Yeah. And when the baby cries, um, everybody freaks out. I'm like, but what if, what if it's okay? Like, right. what if it's okay for the child? Now, if the child's going crazy, like, let's help the mom. <laughs> like, but that's you know. But but I think what we do is we create these ideas in parents' mind that in order for me as a dad to grow spiritually, I have to be away from my kids. And I just don't think that's true. I, I and, and one of the things that we, I really think we're seeing in the next generation, the, the inability for them to submit to leadership. Uh, I think that's often birthed because they don't see their parents submitting to leadership. Wow. So one of the things that I found as I've been navigating this parent equip stuff is, is we're asking our kids to submit to spiritual authority. But yet our kids never see us submit to spiritual authority. So they're not in church with us. They don't see the past. They don't see us sitting in church when the pastor says, if you need to repent for something, come down the altar. Our kids don't see us respond to the pastor. And so there's this complete segregation of child and parent in the local church today. And so I'm not saying that that fundamentally has to change, right? Like, I think it's great for kids to have their own space. Like, I, I go back to the statement of like kids ministries and youth ministries are designed to be a supplement, just not a substitute. Right. Like, so that's well said. Yes. Kids ministries and youth ministries are amazing. Like I love next gen ministry and I always will. Yeah. But what if we could create uh, really remarkable experiences for parents and kids to be together? So here's a quick example and then I'll, I'll stop blabbing. You can ask another question, but I, uh, we just did at our church um, a family worship night. So um, in the 
there's a there's a what's what's the word there's a there's a not a movement but really a a side of the church um yeah. called fa- uh, family integrated worship yeah. where uh there's really no kids ministries or youth yeah. ministries like all the kids are in with the church and I've been reading a lot of books on that recently and do I think that fits every church I probably not you know and that's okay but I think there's something we can learn from it. And so I just tried it. I'm like, hey, why don't we do a family worship night where we shut down the kids ministry? We don't have a youth ministry. We have the families worship together. And it was so powerful. It was so special. We would take time in between worship and I and I lead worship. So I was up there with my wife leading worship and we would you know, lead two songs and then we'd stop. We would throw something on the screen with some discussion questions and parents would gather their kids together, sit in circles and discuss uh, different things about scripture or they would they would pray together or write out lists of things that they were thankful for. And then we would go back into a couple more worship songs and we did this for an hour and a half. Were there kids walking around everywhere? Yeah. Were my were, were two of my kids sitting on the edge of the stage with like, yes, at one point I pulled a chair up on the stage next to my wife so that our youngest could sit next to her because she was running around the the sanctuary. Like, but if we have in our mind that kids are a distraction, then also what we're teaching is we can't worship God when we're distracted. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think we can, like there were kids all over the place. Parents were smiling. Hands were in the air. Lyrics were being sung. I think God was being praised even while there were kids all over the place, you know? And so I'm not asking people to, you know, change their fundamental systems within their churches. What if you could just spend a little bit more time trying to ask the question, how can we get families together and be intentional about that? I, I love saying what you're saying, because this is really thinking outside the box. And at Leadership Network, that is one of our big values is we're trying to just bring unique concepts into places where more leaders can find out about them and say, why not? Why why not dream about doing something different? Why not learn from different kinds of movements or different perspectives? And yeah. again, it doesn't you throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? It doesn't Correct. mean yeah. this extreme thing where we're telling every pastor, cancel your you know, next gen ministries. But yeah. you'd be able to say, well, let's just try it and see what we can learn. Let's innovate. Mm-hmm. Leadership Network is all about innovating for the future of the church. And I know yeah. that was a big part of, of my story. When I was growing up, I was raised in a very large mega church and it, they had so many different ministries. I mean, all, my whole family went in different directions over a weekend. Right. It's great. Like there was really great things about that, right? But my family also felt that gap of not being to worship together. And so yep. still went to that large church and got to experience all the benefits of that. But then yeah. my parents hosted a multi-generational Bible study in our home every Wednesday. And there'd be Love about people crammed into our basement, worship all different ages from probably about 65 all the way down to zero. I mean, and Incredible. it was wild and crazy, but there are totally moments of that that have formed me. That was such yeah. a great partnership with the mega church experience that I have. And so I love yeah. that you can have both and there's something to learn from kind of both yeah. experiences. Yeah. And I think to that point too, you're, you're touching on a, yeah. a subject I'm pretty passionate about as well. Mm-hmm. I remember walking into a church and 
Uh, I And from this moment, I actually came up with this phrase, uh, who we are is based on the experiences that we were at and the environments that were created. Mm-hmm. And um, whether for good or for bad. Yeah. And I walked into a church service and I saw a young kid standing next to his parents and it was a worship time. Yeah. And the kid was just, you know, just hanging out, just standing, worshiping. Yep. And it looked mirrored to his dad, mm-hmm. his dad's actual yep. worship. And one thing that I constantly think through is like, what if we use observation as a gift to create what the Holy Spirit wants to bring yeah. within our services, mm-hmm. right? And as a young leader or even young kids in middle school or high school, yeah. we often observe our parents yes. leading, like you talked about. We yeah. observe our parents yep. praying. We observed our parents repenting. We observed yeah. our parents worshiping God, whether that looked like a kid on mm-hmm. the jungle set or, you know, yeah. maybe in a posture of deep reverence towards what the Holy Spirit is doing in a moment. And so I'm pretty passionate about this subject. And I think if we even lean into scripture too, we see yes. oh, yeah. um, Mary and Martha, right? Like one was so busy mm. crafting, creating, trying to set the table for for Jesus. And another person, Mary, was just sitting mm. at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus teaching moment in this passage of scripture was that Mary has chosen the good portion, which was right. creating margin in her, Mary's calendar to just sit at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so, Sam, I would love to talk about this, this topic with you. You talk about communicate with parents. Yeah. Communicate with parents, not just to parents. Yeah. And so I think from that concept of like margin, creating margin for the things that matter, you talk about communicate with parents, creating margin to communicate with parents, not just to parents. I would love for you to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's great. Yeah. Um, We, we underestimate the power of building relationships with parents and the voice they give us over time. And Mm -hmm. so when, when we are communicating so in my book i i I, there's three foundations that i that make up the the strategy of parent equip one of them is all about communication and in that in that section i talk about how really we get caught up in next gen ministry uh in this this habit of communicating to parents without thinking about the, the idea of what if we could create some like dialogue between us instead of me just telling you what's going on uh what if what if i could invite you into the process so you know over the years i've asked so many next gen leaders i mean hundreds what do you do for parents like how can how do you help parents and usually the answer is we send out a monthly email you know we make sure they know what's going on and and really what that tells me is the way that they set up their ministry is here's what we're doing we just want to let you know Right. Instead of here's what we're doing. You want to be a part of it because there's a lot, there's a lot of parents that don't know how to be a spiritual leader. And if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of parents that aren't even saved yet. So this whole like equip parents to be the primary spiritual leader works for some right off the bat, doesn't work for some right off the bat. So 
So part of our practice as ministry leaders in next gen is asking the question, how can I position parents close to me while I shepherd so they can learn some of those things, you know, and that's not even just for next gen ministry. That's any pastor, any leader at a church, just get some parents around you and just do what God called you to do. And you'll start passing some of those things on. But I, I'm 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 constantly asking the question, how can I do a better job at including parents in on my plan, not just telling them what's happening? You know, so that's it's one of the things that I I talk about there and, and what I mean by that statement, like don't just communicate to parents, you got to communicate with them. And the whole margin thing that you're talking about, Aaron, is so huge because um we are busy and and so are families. Like families are crazy busy. Yeah. Uh, way busier than they should be. I mean, and I say they, I shouldn't, we, we're way busier than we should be. It just, we, we constantly ask the question in our home, what can we do to like slow down? And we still feel like we're having discussions about things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. You know, like one of the things I admire so much about Jesus is he always said, I only do what the father says to do. And I think there are a lot of families that are doing a bunch of things that God never led them to do. Or there's a lot of parents out there doing things for their kids or chauffeuring their kids around that God's saying, whoa, hold on. I never asked you to do that. You're just getting caught up in the rat race of what the American family looks like, you know? And, uh, and so creating that margins key. And so, um, you know, like for instance, just some of the communication with the ministry, it's as ministry leaders, us having margin to be able to plan well enough to communicate out to parents. Um, the days of, parents finding out about youth camp too late because their, you know, vacation has already been scheduled for that. Uh, like we've got to get those dates out quicker. Like we've got to, we've got to set parents up to win in that way. Um, and then it also gives us the ability to start speaking into parents' lives and helping them create some margin in their schedule. Um, one of the things that I really admire about uh, my best friend, my pastor that I'm serving right now, uh, he, when we, when I first came on site, at our church, I started asking him about all the schedules and we do our Sunday services and then we do our life groups and our youth ministry on Sunday nights. And that was, I mean, I, this is my fourth, fourth church and, um, I've never seen it that way, which, you know, it's, it's not like super odd, but I've just never functioned that way. So I was like, Hey Zach, tell me why, like, give me, there's gotta be a reason for this. And he said, well, I'm not a big believer and doing multiple events throughout the week. And Aaron and you and Hannah, you guys were touching on this, multiple events throughout the week where we're separating families. So Tuesday night is women's ministry. Thursday night is men's ministry. Wednesday night is youth ministry. So what we've done is as a church, we have systematically tore the family apart. Yeah, and we, and we And we wonder why the family unit's broken. And then we get really mad when a guy like Sam says, church leaders, we're part of the problem. Like, but that's what we've done, you know? And, and, and oftentimes we get upset with parents for creating boundaries and, yeah. and not allowing their kids or their youth to go to an event because it's family time. You know, like I, I remember when I was really young as a youth pastor, I get mad at parents for going on vacation with their kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, isn't it better mm -hmm. for them to maybe go on vacation with their family? Because that doesn't happen as much these days, you know? So that's that whole margin thing, trying to figure out how to create more margin as a leader so that we can communicate better and create dialogue and conversation, not just saying, here's what we're doing. Just want to let you know, we're saying, here's what we're doing. Would you like to join in on this? How can we include you in on this? 
And then helping parents do the same exact thing by structuring our services or figuring out ways to do less so parents aren't, because they're they're not going to say no to all the other stuff. Right. Uh, as much as we'd like for them to say no to travel ball on Sundays, yeah. um, I, I, I just hit the, the wrong vein there. Um, uh, so... <laughs> Uh, but their parents just aren't going to, it's the rat race of, of our culture. And so how can we as church leaders help parents do that? I, I think that's a great question to ask. Yeah. And, so well said. and I think to that point, Sam, what I love, what you're pushing yeah. is this narrative for the church doesn't have to be the hero for everything, but we can maybe actually put the parents back yes. in a place of like the rightful order that God established. Yeah for parents to step in. And what's fascinating sometimes, even as a next-gen leader, before I was even stepping into leadership, I would say there was never a time in my life where a pastor curated something for, so that I could see the pastor empower my parents right, and empower my parents to not even speak into me as a kid so or speaking to me as a son or speaking right. to me as a daughter. And so I think what you're actually diving into is creating this margin for intergenerational mentorship Yeah. and where it's not just that everything resides on the pastoral leader, but um, what if we could together work with parents to actually yeah. shepherd our kids into the fullness yeah. they were to step into. Yeah. And so I just really appreciate that perspective. I love that your heart bleeds for this. I yes. think that it's needed. Hannah, do you have yeah. any other thoughts? I just think that's discipleship, right? And it's yeah. such a beautiful way to recognize a space where maybe we're not discipling the way that we should be in the church. And and again, this is not a topic we talk about a lot, which is one of the reasons why mm -hmm. we really wanted to, to feature this conversation. And and if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm not the senior pastor, but my senior pastor needs to hear this. Or, wow, I am the leader, but man, our, our next gen ministry leaders need to hear this. You can send them this podcast, but if they're more of a reader, we also had Sam guest blog for us as well. And so the blog is also up on the Leadership Network site. You can send them the link and they can scan over it as well. But I just, I love, Sam, that you're touching on this because, you know, one of the things that was really helpful for me as I'm looking back on some of the unique discipleship relationships I had with some young women that really stuck. I started discipling a group of young women when they were fifth yeah. and sixth graders. I was 17 and they yeah. grew up with me. I grew up with them. And there's a lot of them that I'm still deeply in relationship with. I'm 28 now. Most of them are, you know, in their first couple of years of college and they're all across the country. But I literally just about six months ago, I got a call from one of those girls' dads. And mm. I had the honor of getting to know her parents as well, because I, I was a part of the ministry when the ministry was kind of in a pause and so there was no ministry. So there was really only discipleship to happen and relationships and me hanging out with their family and getting to know their parents. There was no, it wasn't like I was so brilliant that I figured this out. It was just uh, the only yeah. option to build relationships. But now looking back, his daughter is 19. And literally when she was going through a hard season, I got a call from her dad. He's in tears and he's saying, 
he literally said, Hannah, you helped to raise her with us, with her mom and I. And so right now I need you to continue to be in her life. And can I talk to you about this? I need advice. Do you have any advice for me and on what you think she needs? And it was this moment where I hung up the phone. And I said to Aaron, I, I can't believe the honor and the privilege that yeah. her would call me. But also like, this feels so right. Like this feels like how it should be that I should not be the authority in this young woman's life, but I should partner with her parents to together point them all to Jesus and point us all to Jesus. And so I I don't think I've had the language for why that felt so Mm -hmm. right until this conversation. And so that's just been an encouragement to me, even. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect example of what I'm, why I wrote parent equip because it's not just for the staff pastor or the staff leader. This is what we, we utilize within our ministries with our volunteers. And the picture that you just painted is exactly the key. One of, I'm just going to go ahead and say one of my foundations is uh, there's three of them for parent equip. One of them is um, making heroes over being the hero. Wow. And, wow. and, and, and if you're a youth pastor out there, a kid's pastor out there listening right now, you are a hero. Like, I just need to tell you that you, you really are, uh, it, you're remarkable uh, and that will never change. Yeah. But what if you could take your heroism and point your fingers back to a parent? Mm. Like, what if you could be standing with a teen or a child whose mom works three jobs you do a parent event at your church. Mom doesn't show up again, but everybody else's mom shows up. And her daughter's so upset and so mad that my mom just doesn't care enough. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't care about me because she's not showing up. And what if what if we could re, reposition her thoughts to going, well, your mom is working three jobs. Yeah. Your dad's not around anymore. Your mom's doing the best that she can. Do you think that maybe the way that your mom is loving you is a little bit different than what you're maybe wanting or desiring or expecting, but it doesn't mean that she's not loving you. Like what if we could repaint this picture for the the kids and the teens that are in our ministries to make parents look heroic and, and are all parents heroic? I would say a large majority. Yes. There are some that maybe they really weren't supposed to be parents. If we're going to be honest, yeah. But I don't know if I can say I've met a lot of parents over all the years I've been in ministry that did not have at least one aspect of heroism within them. What if we could highlight that? And so, Hannah, what you're saying, like this dad reached out to you and is asking you to jump back in on yeah. this. Yeah. You're partnering with parents. You're linking arms with that parent because even mm-hmm. the best best parent that loves the Lord, that does everything right in, in a discipleship sense, they still need help, especially in the world we're living in today. And so I I just honestly really appreciate the, the, the picture that you just painted, because that's exactly what I'm talking about, where we're linking arms with parents, uh, bridging the gap between a child or a teen and their parents. Like that's what we're doing. And I don't think a lot of ministries are doing that as well as they claim. And yeah. that's why I, I'm passionate about this. Yeah, that's so good. I heard from Hannah's dad, David Grunowski. I asked him some parenting advice. I Mm -hmm. said, you know, David, talk to me. Tell me, tell me something. I want to be a dad one day. Give me some advice on parenting. He said, you know, when your kids are younger, uh, you want to advise and consult. And as Mm -hmm. they age, you want to bloom into 
delighting and empowering. Mm -hmm. And that has just struck a chord with me. It has really given me like a holistic lifelong picture of what I would love to step into as a dad, pastor, leader, et cetera. But, you know, Sam, you invigorated my heart on this subject. I feel like you invigorated Hannah's heart. Like this conversation, I feel has so much synergy and excitement and inspiration around it. Yeah. Let's say there's a senior level pastor that's like so convicted is saying, okay, we need to change something tomorrow. Like we need to do something (laughs) different. I know you talked a little bit about like your step one of, um, heroism, et cetera, but love, you know, get super practical. Maybe a leader wants to start something tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Give me one way, two ways, three ways where we can integrate a better system within the church when it comes down to parenting, equipping the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great question, man. Once again, it's simple. Um, uh, don't change everything you're doing. Okay. So, so that's, I would say the first thing that I would love for you to know is don't be so overwhelmed that you you're like stopped in your tracks. Like you're not doing a bad job. So whatever lie you're maybe being fed right now by the enemy, it's not, it's not legit. You're, you're a great pastor. You're doing a great job. The key is what if you could, what if you could just add some parenting, uh, some parent strategy to what you're already doing. So let's, uh, here's an example. So hopefully you baptize people in your church. Uh, that's the hope. Uh, you baptize people in your church or you go on missions trips, right? Um, a great way to incorporate parents and reinforce uh, the biblical design for the family unit is don't ever baptize another kid or a student without mom and dad being there. Don't ever do it. Um, unless you've totally given the parent the option, they have chosen not to be there. Then of course, baptize the kid. But I I remember when I was in Alabama, our ministry was, it was, it was wild what God was doing in 19 months. We, we saw over 1100 salvations in our student ministry. Uh, we baptized hundreds of students. And I remember on those baptism nights, we had to have a, a massive like team of people calling parents because of how many spontaneous baptisms would happen. So, so we had, you know, let's say 35 students were signed up to get baptized, but then by the end of the night, there were 80 or 90 that decided in the moment, like they're weeping at the altar. I, I have to get, I have to, they weren't allowed to get baptized until they went and talked to our team. And so our team would call their mom and dad on the phone and say, Hey, so-and-so I'm standing right here with your son. Uh, he really believes that it's his time to get baptized. Are you around? Is there any way that you could get here? And some parents, if we're being honest, guys, they didn't care. They're like, I don't even know what baptism is. Yeah. Let him jump in the water. Like sometimes we heard that response majority of the time, even with lost parents, we heard if it's something he wants, I'll be there for it. Can you hold off for 20 minutes? And so we, our services would go super late because we would wait until mom and dad like wow. got in the room so they could be there, you know, for it. And um, so don't ever baptize, you know, in your next gen ministry without the opportunity for parents to be a part of it, because these are milestone moments. These are milestone moments and parents have first, first right to that. We don't, you know, like I, I honestly, I sometimes wonder how I'm going to feel if my, 
my kids' youth pastor, well, hopefully there's, I mean, I'm believing they're going to be saved before they're in the youth ministry. But like, let's say the kids pastor, I'm going to be pretty offended if the kids pastor leads my child to Christ without, like, without me, you know, like I, I just feel like that's my responsibility, especially being a pastor. Right. But like, what if these milestone moments, we begin to include uh, parents in on it, like missions trips, perfect example. Um, Let's say in your youth ministry, let's go youth ministry for a second. Let's say in your youth ministry, you have 30 slots. Uh, you're going to Mexico, you've got, you know, two leaders and um, that leaves for 28 students, which is a, that sounds like a disaster of numbers. Anyways, let, <laughs> I don't know if that was good, a good, a good setup there, but uh, what if instead of 28 students, half of those were parents? Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. What if you just included, because we say all the time, I was changed on a minute. Like I literally, my life was changed. I was called at Sam here. 16 years old, Dominican Republic, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, called into full-time ministry on the same mission trip. My parents weren't there. Wow. I wonder, I wonder what it would look like for the relationship between kids, teens, and their parents if we put more parents on the front lines on mission trips with kids, right? So like, it's don't stop doing what you're doing. Just ask the question, could we include parents in on this so that these relationships can be reconciled? And, and here's here's the danger. And I know I can talk forever, so we probably need to slow it down here. But like I, this, this is what I would say to sort of close up this thought. If we don't change things in the church today, the issue is not going to be resolved. It's going to get worse. Right. Right now, there's a generation growing up in our local churches that do not see their parents as their primary spiritual leaders. They see their pastors. So when they become parents one day, what's going to happen? They won't think it's their responsibility to raise their kids up in the Lord. When scriptures clearly point Mm. to parents being that. And so if we don't make this fundamental shift. Wow. It's yeah. not going to be good for the future of the family. It won't because we're going to have a whole generation of new parents that don't even think, if anything, the taste in their mouth is going to be sour because their parents did such a bad job. Right. So yeah. what if we could help change that? We cannot solve the problem. Right. We cannot solve the problem by avoiding it or thinking that we we are enough on our own to change it. Mm-hmm. It's just not enough. We have to engage parents. This is this is absolutely powerful. Yeah. I mean, Sam, this content again, it's so fresh. I I think there's a lot of topics that are really helpful for us to talk about, and we hear them often. This is something that we don't hear talked about a lot because honestly, in some weird ways, it's a little bit controversial. But I think yeah, it is kind of coming from you, Sam. You've worked in young adult ministry. You worked in youth ministry. You've done like you've done next gen ministry so much. I think it just comes across different because you are so for next gen ministry, and totally. you are a parent, so you're so for parents and this understanding that we can be both. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be one or the other, but rather the two can come together to create a holistic development experience for the next generation of believers. I feel really encouraged as I'm hearing this conversation. 
I don't do this very often when we're recording, but I'm literally thinking of people I want to send this to once it is released Mm -hmm. because of how helpful this is. So Sam, I just want to honor the incredible work that you've done. I know even in just conversations, you're a friend of ours. We love you and your family so much. Um, I know through just our conversations, this has been a a vision, a book, a project you've been working on for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you just share with our listeners? I'm sure a lot of them are thinking, okay, I need a resource. I need to get something and hand it out to my whole next gen team. I need to order a ton and give them to all of our small group leaders. Where can they go to find these resources to purchase your book and to send it on to others? For sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, I am currently in the process right now of revamping my whole website. So it's, if you were to go to these links that I'm about to give you, don't go there yet. Um, I par- partly just want to give you my cell phone number. So you just call me if you want, but uh, my book will launch parent equip will launch on August 14th. Um, and when that launch happens, you can go to sammcdowell.com or parentequip.com. Those are the two links It all sort of links. It's all intertwined but that's where you can buy books um, and uh, get different resources. All of my coaching will be up there as well on my website, um, which that's the hope uh, is that churches jump on board with this and ask the question, how can we do this better? And uh, I would love to help. That's, that's, that's the dream. That's the hope. That's so wonderful. Oh, Sam, thanks so much for jumping on this podcast. Uh, I appreciate your mind and how it architects like the church with yes. the family. Yes. And so cannot be more grateful for you as a leader yeah. and as a son and as a friend. And so thank you so much for standing the gap for parents and pastors. Yeah. And we'll see you all next time on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being the kinds of leaders who are leaning into conversations about the next generation. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.